Now, the title of my sermon is Conforming or Transforming. Conforming or Transforming. Let me read verses 1 and 2, and uh, then we'll dive in and just work our way little by little through verse 2. Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And that captures all that he has said to this point, right? The gospel. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So all of what we said last week is, is, is bringing us now to the, the second part of this, this calling. So Christian, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what we're going to do is just work our way through this verse and uh, kind of pull it apart and look at all of the implications it has for our lives as Christians. Let's start in verse 2a. I titled this uh, Rejecting the Mold. There's three main parts to this verse. The first is rejecting the mold. The call is, do not be conformed to this world. Believer, Christian, the one who has been called out of darkness, that is our calling. We are to not be conformed to this world. Now, what's fascinating about this is that this is in the passive tense. So the, the reality is, is that the world is seeking to conform us, and we are called to not be conformed. Don't let the world conform you. It's as if, if you were drifting along in the current the, the, the current wants to take you this way. And Paul says to Christians, no, don't let the current drive you downstream. Kick your feet. Swim against the current of the culture. Don't let it take you downstream. Do not be conformed to this world. I like J.B. Phillips' uh, translation of this. He said, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. There is a, a press, as it were. It's a very two-dimensional press. It's actually quite boring and bland, but it's the way the world works. Christian, we don't like this 3D life that you have. We want to push you back into two-dimensional. We want you to be just a brick in the wall of bricks, in the system of the world. This word world here is not just location. This is not, a, this is not cosmos. This is uh, an age or a scheme, it's kind of the, the scheme of the system of sin is, is the sense of this word here, the present evil age. So don't allow the present evil age to squeeze you into its normal, right? You are not to accept that mold. You are to reject it. We know, John writes, that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we've got to remind ourselves here about what is, right? God is sovereign. He is sovereign over Satan. He is sovereign over everything. He is God. But he has determined for a season here to allow the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, to have control over this world, this rebellious, fallen world in that sense. It is a a sovereign uh, ruler of, of God over Satan, but this darkness, this present darkness, is governed by Satan. 
it is a world in which we have no longer a membership for. We, we are considered sojourners, uh, resident aliens, as Peter would say. We are passing through in a world that is not truly our home, strangers and aliens. So, when the world wants to push us into the mold, what does it sound like? What does it feel like? Christian, you need to value what we esteem. You need to embrace what we believe. You need to laugh at the things that we ridicule and mock. You need to join us in this. You need to oppose all of the things that we denounce. So when we say tolerant, we expect you to get in line and applaud the things that we say, this, this, is, this is what we approve of. Uh, but the things that we disapprove of, well, you need to also disapprove of. You feel this? Do what we say. Here's, here's a fascinating line. Progress with the times. Isn't that amazing? Oh, Lucifer is such a trickster. What a liar he is. Progress with the times. Well, who wants to be left in the dust, right? Everyone wants to progress. Well, unless it's godless rebellion, right? That's the whole point. Progressiveness tends to be, in our day, um, depravity. It's progressiveness in sin and rejection of God. Never challenge the narrative. Oh, how we have seen, even in recent days, how uh, silly this can be. We're not looking people to challenge the mold. We, we, we don't want you to break loose and, and think for yourself. We want you to be a brick. We want you to be squashed into the mold flat. Put your mask back on and blend in. Not that mask. No. We're done with that, aren't we? Put your mask, the facade of the world, right? That, that facade that would say, and this is the narrative, right? This is the call. Conform to the world is a, it's a false identity. It's wear, it's wear a mask. What's amazing about the world is when you put the world's mask on, everyone else's mask looks the same. Isn't that interesting? They say it's rebellion. They say it's freedom, but it's actually slavery. It's not free. It's bland and boring. Let us do your thinking for you. And it reminds us of that third sermon in, a, in our series through Romans, shamed but unashamed. Either you conform, Christian, or you will be canceled. To which we say, cancel away. Cancel away. Do your worst. You can't cancel Christ. It'll never happen. Conform or be canceled. But here's the thing. This is real, and the pressure is intense. Young people, listen to me closely. Don't allow the pressure of the world to push you away from God. I remember even in a, in a pretty awful high school that I went to, it was all about avoiding peer pressure. Don't, don't fall into peer pressure. And then ironically, the last few years, it's all about peer pressure. You should do what everyone's saying you should do, you know? So like if you're a basketball player and you speak up and the rest of the league says this and you say this, oh man, it's not okay. For Christians, this is normal. 
This is, this is what we do. We reject the mold. It's part of what it means to be faithful to the Lord. There is a way to live the Christian life with careful camouflage. This is the Christian who says, maybe without words, but in the way he lives, I don't want to stand out. I want the world to like me. I want to fit in. And so I will choose carefully some camouflage that will allow me to be a a Christian, but not blatantly so. I, I will be subtle about it. I'll pull my hat low, right? I'll I'll, I'll just find a way to to make it through the workplace and maybe no one will even ask. Like, do we really want them to know that I'm a Christian? Oh, the call. The call to faithful, bold obedience does not allow the Christian to wear the careful camouflage of confirmation to the world. God is calling us to be bold, not to fear men. Don't be afraid if the world hates you. Listen now, MacArthur says it. It's not uncommon for Christians to wear the world's masks. They want to enjoy the world's entertainment and fashions and vocabulary and music and, and many of the world's attitudes, even when those things clearly do not conform to the standards of God's Word. That sort of living is wholly unacceptable to God. It's antithetical to your claim of Christ to seek to glorify Him and yet live for the world. The world is an instrument of Satan and His ungodly influence is pandemic. If you're looking for a pandemic, that's the real one. That's the problem with this this world. It is the darkness, the rebellion, the blinders of Satan over all of those who unbelieve, who who, who reject Christ. That is a system of sin and rebellion, and it has one destiny, the fires of hell. We are not of that anymore. We are a kingdom people called out from that. Christians are called to be nonconformists to the pattern of this world. Do you realize that? You are a nonconformist. Like, we stand on the shoulders of men and women who have refused to conform for 2,000 years. And long before that, even long before Christ came. Think of the prophets, the righteous, faithful obedience of the prophets, and how alone they felt at times when they refused to conform to the pattern of their age. Even if you're alone. Even if, it's, even if it means you lose your job. Even if it means you stand completely alone in the family gathering. Do not wear the camouflage and conform to the pattern of this age. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says. Blessed, happy is the nonconformist. Happy is the man. What does he not do? Listen, three things. He walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He stands not in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. What does he do? Well, this anticipates the second part of the verse we're going to look at. Instead, he delights in the law of the Lord. And there is where he meditates day and night. 
He is a man of the Word, a person who has roots deep. When the world pushes, he pushes back with truth and authority of God. We are called to be in the world, but we are not of the world any longer. Christian, you are in the world. We are. Here we are. (laughs) We're surrounded by the world, and it's not hard to notice that this world is a mess, isn't it? It's dark. It's evil. But we are no longer of the world, substantively. uh, substantively. We, We are not made of the darkness from which we came any longer. Listen to Jesus and his words as he calls us to this reality. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, well, then the world would love you as its own. The reason you feel pressure to conform, my friend, is because you are standing out. You are not of the world anymore. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Are you living in such a way as to experience the opposition and hatred of the world. One of the ways to identify a Christian camo is to ask yourself, where am I applauded by the world in ways that I should actually be hated by the world? And there I need to address. There I need to take that camouflage and chuck it and then stand unashamed. In the high priestly prayer, John 17, what a passage. Oh, Jesus is praying to his Father. He says, Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not, that is us, we are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Our Savior is not of the world, and he has made us light. He has brought us out of the dark. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't miss this. We are here for a reason. We're supposed to stand out. We are supposed to be hated. Don't take them out of the world, Father, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Christian, you are not of the world anymore. That is who you were. It is not who you are. You are righteous in Christ. You stand as a light in the dark. One of the things we read in John 3 is that when we shine bright that light, the world hates it. They don't like the light. One of the things the light does is it reveals sin. It brings conviction. It shows unrighteousness. So when we walk in righteousness and the world sees that light, all of a sudden, well, they, uh, they stiff arm it. They put it. Will you cover that up? Will you stop speaking up? Will you stop doing that? They don't like the light. I was thinking about this. That's not me, by the way, but (laughs) all of us were once in the river. We were all once swimming along, just having a blast, cheerfully swimming to our demise. The waterfalls at the end, right? And now we've been brought out of the water. We are not of the water any longer, but we are in the water, okay? How easy it is to be like this guy, though, to say of those who are still in the water, hey, guys, listen, it's all good. Listen, I'm happy to float along with everyone. I'm not here to to make a problem for anybody. I want to blend in. 
sure, I've got an inner tube. Right, I, I got Jesus, okay. But let's just talk about all the stuff we have in common. Let's emphasize the things that we, that we can just kind of wear camouflage together with. I'm really not that different. But here's what's really going on. Behind it all is this. I just want you guys to like me. I want to blend in. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to float. And so just picture how opposite this is of the Christian life. In the tube, sipping the Pepsi, hanging out, and we're still floating with the world in a godless culture, drifting on every whim and social movement or whatever it might be. Well, this is what we think. Oh, okay, that was good, man. I won't say anything. I'm just going to be quiet. That's not the Christian life. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but instead what? Expose them. Stand out and point out evil and wickedness. The problem is, is that you can actually find churches that are like inner tube churches. Okay? This is what it looks like. Hey, bring your tube. Come on. It's, it's a conforming community church. We'll just have you join us. And we just want you to tell this. It's, it's all about you. It's all about you, man. We want you to be comfortable here. We don't want to step on your toes. We don't want to you know, make any waves here. We're going to keep it simple. You come float with us, blend in, and we'll all drift together. Right? And when the culture says we should do something, we're probably going to do it. Because we don't want to cause problems. We don't want to be hated by the world. We want to be loved by the world. And we're just going to float together. I was in a church like this. I remember being on staff with people who genuinely wanted the world to love what we were doing. And it just drove them nuts that, that there were people who, who, who hated what we stood for. I worked under a pastor who turned out to not even be saved. And what if, one of his longings was that Bono from the U, band U2 would love what we were doing as a church. And he had worked to try to get on the radar so that Bono would be like, hey, you guys, awesome, awesome. Living for the applause of Bono and the world. But what about God? Who do we seek to please? as we walk the Christian life? That's the question, isn't it? It is a powerful thing when the culture pushes against the church. It's a powerful thing when the culture pushes in on the Christian. Hey, you need to start using these pronouns. You need to start thinking this way. You need to applaud of the things that we approve of. And you need to turn against all the things that we are set against. I have a better solution. I'm talking... We need something that goes upriver, okay? I'm thinking jet boat. That's what church is. This, we are together in a jet boat. We have the power. I'm talking unbelievable horsepower to swim upstream, to go against the current. And we're up, look at the fun we're having. Look at this guy right here. He's hanging out. That, like, that's me right there. I, yes! Let's do this! 
And there's people in the water, and along the way we're scooping them up. Come on with us. We're chasing after holiness. We're running for righteousness. We're sick of floating. We're tired of just moving downstream. This is the call of the church. Kick your feet, Christian. Stop drifting along like a jellyfish in the world that pushes godlessly against everything God is and He stands for. And so we ride the jet boat of sanctification in the power of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God as our guide. Let's look at that now. Part two. Part one, reject the mold of the pattern of this world. Part two, renewing the mind. Called to renew the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is an interesting phrase. The, the, The Greek here is in passive imperative. Fascinating stuff here. He says, you are to not conform. Don't be conformed. Don't be shaped into the mold of the world but be transformed. So it comes as a command to us, but the wording here, you could, you could translate it this way. Be being transformed. We are to be being transformed. So we're aware here right out of the gate. This is not self-help. This is not some kind of uh, live your best life now or the, the, the become a better you, right? This is not what that is. This is Put yourself under the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God is going to change you from the inside out. You will become who you already are in Christ. There's work for us to do in this. We are partners in this work. We are called to be changed by God. It's a fascinating way that he presents this to us. How does that happen? Well, by the renewal of the mind. So this this tells us right out of the gate, we need minds that are renewed. We used to think like the world, and that instinct is still with us. Just because I'm saved does not mean that all of my thoughts are accurate or right or tuned to God and His righteousness. I have a mind that needs to be completely retooled to think rightly of the Lord and of all things. I need a mind renewed. Back to the call to worship. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, man, you want to be free? You want to have fun? You want to ride the jet boat? Then come here and watch the freedom that the spirit brings with his word. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being, look at the language here, we are being transformed. As we behold, we become We become the same image of the Lord, our Savior, Christ-like, from one degree of glory to another. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens progressively, little by little. We grow, and we we take new ground. We, We become more who we are, little by little. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this combination, you might jot this down. It is the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God for the glory of God. That is one of the most summarizing realities of sanctification you can know. God's Spirit uses His Word. By the way, this is His book. If you want the Holy Spirit to talk, you don't need to go and and have a fire tunnel or uh, 
get frothed up until gold dust falls out of the ventilation system. What you need to do is open the Word of God and listen to His voice. This is God's Word. It lives. It's sharp. It's active. He uses His Word to make us like His Son and all for His glory. So, if you want to fly, if you want to know what it's like to not be a brick, to, to know what it's like to, to, to shine and, and, and share the glory of God, then you must be dependent upon His Word and His Spirit to bring about the metamorphosis. That's what this word means, to be transformed. It is not a facade exterior. This is interior transformation. We are becoming the people that we are called to be in Christ, that we already are positionally in Him. From a caterpillar to a butterfly, isn't it great how the Lord has illustrated this change for us? Would you rather eat dirt or fly? <laughs> That's the call. Don't settle for crawling around in the dirt, Christian. You are made to be transformed by the Spirit of God. And that happens as you are in His Word. This is His, 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 His blueprint for the Christian life. Hmm. I love how butterflies have all these just glorious markings and, and things, but even more than a butterfly, right? Each Christian becomes who they are distinctly created to be for God's glory in a way that the world could never. I mean, the, the brick mold of the world is stamp, stamp, sameness. Everybody has to be the same. And they might celebrate diversity, but ironically, it's, it's, it's pretty bland. The diversity and glory and beauty of what God does when He makes us free and shine His glory in righteous obedience, that is freedom. That is flying. Our thinking must be changed or transformed from old ungodly ways of thinking to new godly ways of thinking. What we know in our minds to be true forms a conviction in our heart of that truth, and that conviction in our hearts translates into action. Therefore, we must first renew our minds. Jonathan Edwards wrote a ton about this, we do what we want, always. You've never done what you've not wanted to do most at the moment of choice. That's what informs action. Is our, our will is informed by our longing, our desire. How do we change our desire? Our minds. When we think right thoughts and think of righteousness and truth and beauty, our love is shaped. So all of a sudden, as a Christian, I begin to look at the things I used to live for before Christ and say, that's nasty. I don't want that. That's garbage. In fact, I hate that stuff. I don't want that. Or my life used to be given to that. My heart was longing for it. And all of a sudden, I have other things that I... All of a sudden, I, I love this. I love to sing His praise. I love to be with His people. I love His Word. I've heard people say, I, you know, I'm just not a reader. I'm not a reader. Let me just say this, Christian, you're a reader. You know why? God wrote a book. It's simple. I wasn't a reader. I, I, I confess to the first service, I, I think I read a total of about five books by the time I graduated high school. Like I said, it wasn't a good high school. But as I 
began to understand the connection between God's word and my joy and victory and growing and transforming, I couldn't stop with this book. That's what happened. I became a reader because God wrote a book. That's the call, Christian. Be a reader. We need new minds. R.C. Sproul said it this way, you're not, going, you're not going to act like a Christian until you think like a Christian. Otherwise, you get this reversed and you end up with just pharisaical behavior modification, right? Do this. Why? Well, because you're supposed to. Oh, okay. That's what this is? No. Friends, that's not what this is. The whole point is right thinking leads to right loving, which leads to right living. That's the, that's the flow. We need minds renewed. So, let me give you some examples of what this looks like. Who am I? Why do I exist? How do we get here? Now, how does the world answer those questions? Who, who am I? Well, you're a basically a cosmic accident. Primordial slime is to blame for your existence. Why do you exist? To get what you can because it's going to be over soon. How did we get here? Well, Darwin has some thoughts on that. And we will defend these thoughts until our dying day as not just hypothesis, not just theory any longer, but fact. It's a fact. Well, was Darwin there? Well, no, not exactly. Do you see how the beginning chapters of your Bible have a massive sway on everything in your life? And there are churches that are saying, oh, those early chapters, we'll just kind of write those off. You know what that is? That's inner tube. Don't give me that drift. That's hogwash. There is a God. He made you. He didn't just make you. He knit you, as Psalm 139 says. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You're a creation of God. Why do you exist? You exist for Him. You exist for far more than you. How did you get here? You got here through a creator who is righteous and holy, and you are His creation. It's like putting glasses on, friends. When we, when we are saved, God puts on us the glasses of a Christian worldview. And that happens as we hold up this book and begin to look at the world. And everything we look at through the lens of His Word begins to be real in ways that we had no idea before. We come out of the mirage. And we start living in real world. What should I care about most? What happens when I die? Who is God? What is He like? How can I know Him? Christian, this is your joy. And there are answers to these questions, and they're right here in this book. What is my greatest problem in life? What would the world say? Right? How do you fill that in? Well, the greatest problem is, is well, there's just, we, we don't have peace, right? Well, why don't we have peace? Well, I... It's probably economic, or maybe we blame white people, right? Let's figure out, what's the problem? Find someone to blame, and then when that doesn't work, find something else to blame. Well, what about sin? No. What's the solution according to God? Does critical race theory have any solution? 
outside of just pinning stuff on people and blaming them for everything. There's no grace. There's no change. There's no hope offered in critical race theory. It's all just, here's your label, wear it till you're dead. Thanks for ruining everything. It's what it is. There's no salvation. There's no Savior. And what is the fruit that's come from all of this hogwash over the last few years? You know what it is? More division. More racism. More hatred. More more animosity. More people dying. This is the world, friends. This is why as believers, we've got to remember, you can't float in the inner tube and be like, oh, CRT, that's awesome. That's totally going to fix it. It won't. You need the jet boat. You need the gospel. There's more required. Why is Putin doing what he's doing? Well, because he's a sinner. He's a sinner. How do we fix it? Jesus the King is the only hope of sinners the world over. That includes leaders of the world, dictators, killers. What is justice? What is forgiveness? What is right and wrong? Christian, this is, this is your wheelhouse now. You have resources to draw upon to answer these questions, and as you do so, your mind is renewed, and you begin to live and swim upstream. You begin to fly in ways that you only crawled before. What is love? What is gender? Why does it matter? How should marriage be defined and lived out? What are the differences between men and women? How should we raise and instruct our kids? How should we think about money and possessions? All of these things are answered in the Word of God. We have in His Word all that we need for life and godliness. It's all in this book. And as we study, we are changed. Jesus knew this, and that's why he prayed in John 17, Oh, Father, sanctify them. What that means is set them apart. Help them stand out from the dark. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness. What's the aim point? that we may be competent, equipped for every good work. We are to be having our minds renewed by the word of the Lord so that we might live it out in our actions. Hmm. Now the third part of this verse. It's a fascinating thing that Paul includes here. Number one, reject the mold. Number two, renew the mind. And number three, recognize God's will. Listen to how he says it. Do not be conformed to this to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That's interesting. And then he says, what is, let's build out of God's will, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And what's fascinating about this language is it echoes last week, doesn't it? That we would give our lives as living sacrifices, holy, same word here, acceptable or pleasing to God. Well, what does that mean? Here's how you find out what that looks like. What does it mean to bring him a sacrifice that is not full of of, of blemish? Well, it means the word of God calls us to righteousness. 
testing and discerning. I've had a lot of questions over the years with people who are trying to figure out what is the will of God. It can be a challenging thing at points along the way. Sometimes college kids will, or you know, high school kids will come and say, ah, Pastor, I don't know what college to choose. I've got this college, it's in this state, and it's got this kind of emphasis, and man, my whole life could go that way. Or there's this college that I've been looking at, and it's, it, could, it could go that way. What is God's will for my life? You know what I tend to answer in those situations? I say, what do you want? What do you want to do? Well, I really like this college. I'm like, good. Go there and obey God. Go there and be holy. Go there and live for His glory. Obey Him tenaciously in that place. Which of these places is going to accommodate or afford the opportunity for you to be most aggressively swimming upstream? Well, this is a party school. Well, probably not that place then, right? There you go. What music should I listen to? What car should I buy? What college should I attend? Who should I marry? Where should we live? What job opportunities should I pursue? What social movements should I embrace or reject? What is the most important need in this situation or that? Here's the answer, my friends. The holiness of God. Be holy. Be holy. God has given you a heart. He's given you gifts and a mind to pursue Him. He, he's not simply focused on the what. More often, He's focused on the how. The how. How will you live as you obey me and walk this out? Take these opportunities that I bring. I love this verse. This is just a straight Straight, simple answer to the question of the will of God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. There you go. He goes on and he says that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So at, the, at a high level, God's will for your life, Christian, is that you be sanctified, that, that you become increasingly more day by day righteous as Jesus is righteous. That involves all aspects of our lives. But it begins with your mind. What is good and true and pleasing and holy and beautiful? The blueprint for the Christian life is open before you. Now, here's the thing. God's word is sufficient, but it's not always specific. We have in this book all that we need for life and godliness, but we don't have an answer to every single question that we might ask. So, If I'm in a situation, you know, well, who should I marry? What do I do with this situation? Well, one of the things you can draw from the Word of God is a principle, right? You can draw principles from the Word of God that equip you then to be wise and to test and discern in this scenario, in this situation, what would please the Lord most? And then do that. Testing and discerning according to God's Word. The other thing that goes into this is learning to reject truth claims that are false, right? I I recently uh, reviewed the the book, Girl, Stop Apologizing. Books like this, I just want to burn them, honestly. They're garbage, but people fall for this. Christian ladies have fallen for this. Girl, stop apologizing. And she says a lot of really 
horrible, unbiblical things, one of the things she says is, guilt is from man, not from God. That is wrong. That is untrue. Guilt is a gift of God. A guilty conscience is an opportunity to repent of sin and turn in obedience to God. She says, you need to stop apologizing. And then she's like blankets that across family and all of those things. She goes on to say, you should write a list of the top 10 things you want to achieve in your life. Meditate on that list and then go make it happen. What's interesting about that is it becomes my will, Lord, my way. I exist for me. You exist for me and my dreams. And one of the things on her list was, I only fly first class. Okay? This is the kind of stuff that is being sold in Christian bookstores, and Christians are eating this stuff up. Why? Because they are not in this, sifting it out and saying, wait a second, it is written. It is written. It is written. Just like Jesus modeled for us. Everything must be tested and through the sieve of God's word. Don't embrace it if it's not resounding from the pages of his word. If it's not, then where is it from? Where is it coming from? The mold. The satanic, godless, rebellious, self-focused mold of a two-dimensional dark that we have nothing to do with anymore. Do not be conformed, Christian, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing or acceptable and perfect. Hmm. What is holy? What, what, what echoes the glory of God? That's what we want. So, response this morning. Listen to Ephesians 5 and how the language is so similar here. It's amazing. Ephesians 5, Therefore do not become partners with them. This is the godless, the world system. For at one time you were darkness. Not, he didn't say you were in. He says you were darkness. But now, Christian, you are light. You're not just in light. You are light in this world. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that, listen to these words, all that is good and right and pleasing, right? Acceptable and true. And try to discern, here's the same language, discern, test, approve, what is pleasing to the Lord. Run it through the grid of His Word. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because, friends, the days are evil. The days are evil. It was true back then, and it's true for us today. So, Christian, are you rejecting the mold? Maybe ask the question, where in your life, think through the situations, where in your life do you feel the world pressing in, pushing back? Maybe where in your life have you settled for the camouflage to just blend in? Ah, I don't want to rock the boat. Maybe it's in your family. Family dynamics. Maybe they're unsaved and you're saved. And you're trying your best to just try to fly under the radar. Maybe it's time to shine. Kick your feet. 
swim upstream a little bit. Just to be clear, our goal is not to be jerks. We're not trying to, 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 to offend people needlessly, but fear of offense is paralyzing for the Christian witness. Jesus did not demonstrate the ethic of don't ever offend, did he? He calls us to shine. You might be the one placed in that family to shine the light that God will use to bring salvation. It might be you. That might be true in the workplace as well. Faithfulness to God is honored even if you get fired. Who do you fear most in this life and the next? Don't choose the inner tube, right? And the Pepsi and the hat and the glasses. I'm basically the same as you guys. Let's float together. Don't choose that. Stand out. Kick your feet. I remember being in California 2006. I heard a message by John Piper. I was so alone. I felt so alone in ministry with these convictions and this passion and so much compromise all around me. I felt like I was the only one. And the pressure to just drift, just stop fighting, just drift was there. And Piper preached a sermon. He's like, stop being a jellyfish and kick your feet. Swim upstream. Don't conform. And that's what I needed in that moment. And that's one of the reasons God brought us here. Praise God for the way he works through his word and in the proclamation of his word. What in your life right now do you need to be challenged? Stop being a jellyfish and kick your feet. Swim upstream. Get in the jet boat and let's go. Are you renewing your mind, Christian? You will not reject the mold well if you don't know what is right, how to tackle these currents that are strong, how to stand firm. You need a new mind, a new heart informed with convictions that run deep that will enable your will to stand in the face of pressure. Are you recognizing God's will? Friends, these are important things to have in the forefront of our thinking as we go through life. This is every day of the Christian life. And it is a dependent work, isn't it? We put ourselves in a position to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through His Word. So let's pray and ask Him to do it. Oh God, that is our longing, our prayer. We want to be holy. But we are not those who can just self-help our way into holiness. We need You. We are desperate for you to change us and make us holy. We want to be obedient and faithful to you. We want to fear you above all else. And so, Father, please move and work through your Spirit, in your Word, as we apply ourselves to understand and, and know and, and, and love and embrace all your commandments. We pray that you would change us from the inside out. Make us who we are in Jesus Christ. Through your word, Lord, make us more like him each day. Give us the courage to be nonconformists in a two-dimensional world. Help us to shine. Help us to fly. Help us to be in that jet boat scooping others up and calling them to holiness and obedience as the most satisfying and joy-filled way to live. 
Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Lord, make it true of us this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.